Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Baby blue, just like oh, we yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better. Wake them up, get them up, get them going Monday on Hook Em Up with E and Rod B. That's right. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Monday, 5 February. Six days now to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. Two teams, the Chiefs and the Niners, have arrived in Sin City to prepare for uh, the big game this Sunday. And obviously we will preview and talk all things NFL. A lot of coaching news from the weekend, including uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They are now in need of a uh, new defensive coordinator. We knew that with the uh, announcement of Dan Quinn. Moving on to Washington as the new head coach, but uh, Dan Quinn has also swiped one of the in-house candidates for the law, for the Cowboys that may have elevated to that defensive coordinator spot. We'll certainly talk plenty of NFL, Super Bowl 58, and all things football throughout the course of our five-hour conversation this morning. Also a tremendous weekend of college basketball. Busy weekend on the 40 Acres. We'll dive in there. Longhorns with a great win up in Fort Worth on Saturday. What a finish. What a ball game. Also the Texas women uh, with another big win. And uh, we also had the uh, UT Baseball alumni game, which we will talk about. Uh, so we got a lot to do. It's going to be a busy one. There's golf. There's soccer news. There's no, uh, sorts, uh, sports of all sorts is what we love to do on a Monday as we get you cranked up and start our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation right now. Also at the Grammy Awards last night. So we'll talk about the biggest night in music, the Super Bowl of music, if you will. Big night for Taylor Swift, Miley Cyrus, and many more. We'll talk into some of that. So five hours likely will be enough, but uh, we will be without Rod Babers this morning. Rod Babers is uh, out, as we told you on Friday. He's got to have his wisdom teeth pulled out. Got to have a dental uh, procedure, and we're uh, wishing him the best, knocking on wood for Rod, that that all goes without any issues. So it'll be my tie and myself. Also, some great guests will join us this morning. And in the uh, final couple of hours of our show, my buddy Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football is going to join us here live in the uh, South Austin Onion Creek compound as we crank this thing up on a Monday. It'll be a great show, and we appreciate you being there. However you are finding us on 1019 FM, could be AM 1260, also could be us streaming digitally. Download that horn app to your smartphone, listen to us wherever you are in the 512, all over the great state, all over the world with a touch of a button with that horn app. Please uh, uh, use it uh, frequently and join us. Also share it, as we said, share it with a friend of you. Just hold down that horn app. Uh, you can, it'll say share app, and you can send it off to friends and say, hey, listen to my guys, uh, Ian, Rod B, and Ty, uh, every morning on Hook'em Up and also to all the shows on The Horn. We appreciate you doing that as we launch your week and get you cranked up uh, here on Hook'em Up with Ian, Rod B. Also, as Rod would say right now, if he were here, we'd say thanks to all those who get up and go and serve us in any capacity here throughout uh, Central Texas. Thank you so much for what you do, uh, first responders, uh, teachers, everybody that gets up and uh, uh, helps out and, and goes to work uh, and gives to their community. We appreciate you very, very much. We also appreciate Ty Henderson, who's holding down the compound back at the Horn headquarters as I am in the South Austin compound. Ty, how are, Ty, how are you, my friend? Feeling good. Had a good weekend. Did you? Highlight. What was your highlight of your weekend? Did you have one? 
Um, I I had a pretty pretty long, heavy drinking day on Saturday on, on oh, nice. East East Six. It was a good it was a good time hanging out with some good friends. East Sixth, so that's east of thirty five. And uh, all kinds of that's a, all kinds of new stuff over there. So a heavy drinking day. Uh, did you did you take in this? That's not too far from Dishfalk Field in the alumni game. Did you make it up to any baseball? It's a beautiful sunny day with the occasional shower. But you get up to dish at all? I did not. Um, I finished the night at the the Driftwood Social Club, which uh, oh. I was I felt a little out of place there, but uh, it was a good time. Dude, you very expensive. The- very expensive. Yeah. Night. And so Driftwood, of course, is the great new country club out in, uh, in Driftwood, Texas, right out uh, out there in the Hill Country. Uh, we're very exclusive uh, golf. We're going to actually feature Driftwood Country Club tie on our one of our on our tour of Central Texas golf courses here this year. Uh, as we're on Great Hills right now, we got another new one coming up here in February. But we will hit Driftwood, I promise you. But downtown Driftwood, uh, before they even had the course open, opened up the uh, what do they call it? The uh, the downtown club is that what it is? The Driftwood like social social yeah social club of sorts. They have a golf simulator, you know, a bunch of pool tables, three stories. Nice. It's 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 really cool. How'd you end up in there? Who'd you who do you know? That's nice. Good I, job, I'm by just, you. Just you know, have some friends. You're a man about town. I love that. All right, well, speaking of that, I got to uh, attend the uh, rodeo gala. Uh, the rodeo rodeo Austin, of course, launches this month and into March, and uh, they had their big gala and fundraiser on Saturday night. And uh, my friend, speaking of the tour of Central Texas golf courses, with my friend Charlie Wilson from Callahan's General Store, invited us to uh, sit at his table and be a part of that. So I got to hang out with uh, some of the who's who. So you and I were both kind of rubbing elbows. You know what I'm saying, Ty? It's pretty good for the weekend. Uh, pretty good. You're up at the Driftwood Social Club downtown. I'm across the street at the Palmer Event Center at the Rodeo Gala. Ran into a bunch of great listeners there, and we appreciate seeing them as well. Hope you had a great weekend. And uh, Todd, Ty, it was the first real weekend without football, right? I didn't even catch a minute of the Senior Bowl, unfortunately. Uh, so there wasn't much football. I did see some of the Pro Bowl flag football game that was going on uh, yesterday, which was kind of fun. But uh, either way, not a lot of football. We'll all be focused now on what's coming this Sunday, which is the Super Bowl. Uh, so we'll, we'll be telling stories, talking about the weekend that, that was. Also the Grammy Awards last night, which were fun. I always uh, tune into the Grammys. Big music fan, so that was good to see too. So we'll get to all of that. Let's start with the headlines. I'll get you caught up on the top stories of the morning. It's a busy, busy Monday as usual. Make sure you are fully in the know as you are up and out. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequim bring you our top stories this morning. And it starts with college hoops and fresh off a tremendous weekend of topsy-turvy Big 12 basketball. Wow. How about five ranked teams in the Big 12, the nation's best conference, losing to lower-ranked or unranked teams on Saturday. Uh, that included in Fort Worth with the Longhorns went into Fort Worth and uh, put an end to TCU's four-game winning streak. It was a thrilling 77-66 win. The back-and-forth contest on the Longhorns surged to an 11-point first-half lead. They're up uh, 43-32 at the half, but second half, as you would imagine, the homestanding Frogs rallied, tightened up on defense, and tied the game at 57. Texas responded from there with a quick 7-0 run. TCU countered with a 7-0 run of their own, and we were tied at 64 with under four minutes to play. That's when Texas and more specifically, Max Acemus, the senior sharpshooter, went absolutely radioactive and took over the game. First, Acemus converted an old-school three-point play following an incredible defensive play at the other end. He then drilled a pair of long three-pointers, calmly drained four free throws, and the Horns finished the game on a 13-2 run. All points scored by Max Acemus in that run, and the Longhorns get a huge win on the road, their third quad one win on the road in Big 12 play. Houston, Texas Tech, OU, and the Longhorns' next opponent, Iowa State, also lost on Saturday. So at the halfway point of the conference regular season, only two games separate the top 12 teams in the Big 12. Of course, 14 teams in the conference, but two games separating the top 12 in the loss column. Pretty incredible. 
Longhorns return to the floor tomorrow night. They'll welcome 12th-ranked Iowa State to Moody Center. It'll be the sixth straight game for the Longhorns against a team ranked in the top 25. They've gone three and two so far. Yesterday, meanwhile, at the Moody Center, how about a second straight huge win for the 12th-ranked Texas women? They followed up their big win at Baylor on Thursday night with a home upset of second-ranked and conference co-leading K-State, 61-54 yesterday. Phenomenal freshman Madison Booker led the Longhorns with 20 points and six assists. Aaliyah Moore and Taylor Jones combined for 23 points and 23 rebounds. Texas improves to 8-3 in Big 12 play. They're 21-3 overall. NFL headed into the weekend uh, last Friday. It appeared that former Texas Tech and Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury was on track to become the new offensive coordinator of the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, potential deal there fell through and late yesterday the Washington Commanders announced that they are hiring Kingsbury to run their offense alongside new head coach Dan Quinn. Commanders have also announced the hiring of the Cowboys secondary coach and pass game coordinator Joe Witt Jr. to be their defensive coordinator under Quinn. Witt Jr. has been with the Cowboys the last three seasons. Cowboys are now obviously in need of a defensive coordinator team expected to interview interview several former head coaches this week with reports that team owner jerry jones is looking to make a quote home run hire that according to cowboys insider mike fisher he reports that former vikings head coach mike zimmer former titans head coach mike vrabel former washington head coach ron rivera and former chargers head coach brandon staley are all expected to interview this week, we'll obviously keep you posted. A couple of other NFL coaching notes. Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers expected to hire Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator. Miami Dolphins have hired former Baltimore D-line coach Anthony Weaver to be their new defensive coordinator. In golf, Wyndham Clark has been declared the 54-hole winner of the Pebble Beach National Pro-Am. After canceling play yesterday, PGA Tour officials decided not to resume the tournament today due to a severe storm on the West Coast. The winds at Pebble Beach were strong enough to damage the TV towers and knock down course signage. Uh, they're not going to play. It's a, it's a win for Wyndham Clark. And in Soccer, it's official. The 2026 World Cup Final will take place at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. FIFA officials revealed the full schedule for the 48-team tournament yesterday. Uh, USA, U.S. has 78 games in all. Canada and Mexico will share 13 apiece. And although AT&T Stadium in Arlington missed out on the final, it will host a tournament-high nine matches, including four in the knockout round. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right. Yeah, Rob Baber's out getting his wisdom teeth out today, and we will hopefully rejoin us on Wednesday. That's the, uh, the scheduled time where he's going to be out Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we're rooting for Rod because he went in for just a normal dental appointment with uh, Dr. Greg Eckert, our dentist, back uh, last week. And uh, they told him, man, you got to get those wisdom teeth out of there. They're starting to do some damage and starting to push on other things. Let's get those things out. So they scheduled him for today. So Rod will be uh, having his wisdom teeth out, which is not a fun way to start your work week. Hopefully this show will be more fun than getting teeth pulled as we get you rolling. But uh, Ty Henderson, you heard in the headlines there, a lot going on. We'll talk about that Texas basketball game coming up. Did you get a chance to watch that game on Saturday? I did. I, I I watched. I was out, like I said. Um, but I, I I watched it. I actually saw Johnny Rogers, a big TCU Ooh. fan. So uh, he bought me a shot after the after after we we won. But it it uh, I I saw the ending, which which is, feels like all that matters there. Yeah, well, actually, you didn't because the game was a blast. It was a really fun. I mean, it was just such a it, just like a typical Big Twelve basketball game. There were so many ebbs and flows. I mean, it was. Uh, really, t- Texas came out kind of fumbly, and you know, as we've seen them do sometimes this year, come out and just turn the ball over early, and um, they didn't seem to have the intensity it was going to take for a Big 12 road game. But they ratcheted that up uh, for the one o'clock tip time, and boy, they they really got it going. And by halftime, they had taken over the game. They were up 11 points. They 
uh, we're using defense to force offense and had a, like you know Dylan Mitchell had a highlight dunk and uh, uh, Kendall Weaver uh, the the fabulous transfer in from UT Arlington got the start uh, he's earned his way into the starting lineup for Texas and he came out and played great uh, so they were up 11 at the half but uh, second half obviously is as will happen on the road TCU had won four games in a row coming into that game TCU rallies uh, gets it tied up at 54 and it was a as I said in the headlines Texas goes on a quick 7-0 burst uh, TCU followed it up with a 7-0 burst of their own, and you're sitting at 64s. And yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna hopefully hear from Max Acemus this morning. We'll play some of the highlights, but what a finish! Uh, this is why you went out and got the transfer from Oral Roberts. Uh, he drills. I mean, first off, he makes an incredible play on one end defensively. The long one turned the ball over in that 64 all tie. He races back, makes great position, and then actually gets a steal. Uh, from the TCU player that was coming down fast, and it was going to be a dunk. I mean, it was like a three-on-two. There was going to be a layup or a dunk. It's one of those in transition late in the game. You're thinking this could be an and-one the other way and really a big pivot moment to the game. Instead, Max Acemus, without fouling, you know, swipes the ball, uh, and before falling out of bounds, he – you know, dish, you know, saves the ball to Kendall Weaver, and they race back down the other way, and Max Acemus is the recipient of a good pass, and he finishes for an and-one. So he gets an old-school old three-point play. Uh, to, to give the Longhorns a three-point lead. So a six-point swing potentially there uh, at 64 all. That really started the momentum for Texas. They get that big swing, and then they come back down, and, and uh, boy, from the right elbow as the shot clock's expiring over Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, the, the, the bigger player, Max Acemus, kind of a fadeaway, Steph Curry, Trey Young-looking three-pointer that found nothing but the bottom. So now you're up six. Texas goes back down, gets another stop, and they come back down. And this one was cold-blooded, tie. Uh, if you saw this part, as Max Acemus made a, it had to be a 35-foot three-pointer. I mean, he was standing on the T and the TCU logo in the middle of the floor. And, you know, the defender kind of sags off him because he's, you know, 35 feet away from the basket. And Max Acemus, just feeling it, just, you know, rises up and drills a, a three-pointer. So from a tie game, uh, like three possessions later, the Longhorns were up nine. And it was all Max Acemus. And then he made the free throws to drain the game. Uh, huge win for Texas, obviously, Ty. I mean, that's... You know, this, this, it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team, or it's a team that's just kind of learning to play with one another and define roles, which we kind of knew was going to be the case coming into the season. Like, you know, with all the new players and, uh, you know, Dylan DeSue not available all the way until Christmas, they were going to insert him back into the lineup and try to figure some things out. But, you know, they, it, you know they, they've taken some losses that they're going to regret down the road. But this was a big one, Ty, on, thir- on Saturday to get their third quad one win on the road in Big 12 play. That's more than any other team in the Big 12. Uh, they've got to win at Cincinnati. They've got to win at Oklahoma. Now they have a win at TCU. And all those teams had big wins, you know, have had big wins. So those are considered, as far as the, the quad system goes, quad one wins for the Longhorns. Now they do have the home losses tie, um, you know, the Central Florida. Uh, we talked about Houston just on Monday night. So they have three home losses, but three home wins. So right now, if you look at Ken Palm and some of the rankings, the Longhorns would be in the NCAA tournament. That win on Sunday on, on Saturday was huge. But how about Max Acemus? Did you get to uh, take that in? No, yeah. I mean, he's he's incredible. The shot, the shot making ability is amazing. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better about our tournament chances uh, you yeah. know, after this weekend. Yeah, 15 and 7 uh, overall. They're 10 and 3 now. Uh, at home, they're three and three on the road in Big Twelve play. They just, they just can't five, lose. They just can't lose the the ones they're supposed to win at this point. Yeah, well, and that you know, I, I think they'll get in. I mean, if they keep playing like this, because it does feel like even the loss to Houston on Monday night. I mean, Houston, as we saw, they're I mean, they're a top five team, 
and they lost to Kansas, of course, at Fog Allen Fieldhouse in a great environment, part of a, a really great Saturday of college basketball. Uh, but, you know, it, that was a huge win, uh, and they just got to they gotta rack up wins. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of these things where, where nine or ten teams from the Big 12 could be in the tournament when it's all said and done, and you want to be one of those nine or ten because it – with this group, if you can play your way into the tournament, you've got a pretty good chance uh, to make some noise once you get there because this team can score with anybody. I also thought on Saturday that Dylan Mitchell uh, was huge for Texas. I mean, Dylan Mitchell can be erratic. He can turn the ball over. He's got to work on his ball handling. Uh, but that was a game in which you know, his energy, his athleticism uh, just jumped off the court. I mean, he, he, that's why he is an NBA prospect. I know sometimes people watch him and think, well, what's he going to do in the NBA? I mean, he's still got to improve his game. But, man, he was really, really good. He had 13 points and 11 rebounds, uh, another double-double. Uh, but he just impacted the game. He had a couple steals. He had a couple blocked shots. Uh, Dylan DeSue added 15 points. And as I've said all year, Ty, it's about the stops. I don't worry about this team finding ways to score. It's about getting the stops on the other end, playing defense. And that's what they did in this game against a very good offensive team. You know, TCU is one of the best offensive teams in the Big 12. They average over 80 points a game. And the Longhorns held them way under that average on Saturday, um, you know, at 66 points. Uh, so, and, and if they play that kind of defense with the way they can score with Acemas and the others, uh, this can this will be a tournament team. They just have to keep, you know, end of month month of February, keep getting better. Yeah, the one thing that worries me is is just being physical down low. I, I, they, yeah. It looked a lot better against TCU from what I saw, especially with Dylan Mitchell, you know, boxing out and getting rebounds. But going to the tournament, that's it's been kind of the issue the past few years with the Chris Beard rosters is there's not really that big guy uh, when you play like a Purdue or even even TCU with what what was what was their bigger the the round shouldered fella that was down there for TCU yeah it's not Eddie Lampkin's obviously not there anymore they have they have another Eddie Lampkin type and that that's the one kind of player that worries me playing against the Texas roster. All right. Uh, you can also weigh in if you were excited by that win or the big Texas uh, women's win yesterday over at Moody Center. But uh, four four seven three seven seven six uh, is the number. Somebody said, "Can you explain this quad thing?" Uh, the quad thing is uh, is how they rate wins and losses. And essentially, when they get to the tournament, it's a new metric that they use. Um, that that you know, it's it's about not just your wins and losses, but but who were your wins against and who were your losses against. So there's there's four quadrants, you know, quads. And, you know, the quad one would be the upper left corner, right? You want as many quad one wins as you can. And you, what you don't want is, you know, quad three or four losses. You want to avoid both of those things. It really takes into account the strength of schedule and the quality of opponents. So, you know, there are times, like when Texas lost to Houston the other night, uh, their ranking actually in the net rankings went up because it added another really quality opponent to their schedule. So their strength of schedule increased, and they lost it in overtime. Uh, so they got credit for playing a tough schedule. And that's really what the quad system is about, is you know, giving teams you know, credit. Because as we know in college basketball, it's arguable that the home court advantage in college basketball is greater than in really any sport, college or pro. Uh, to, you know, to play on the road in the Big 12 Conference is brutal. Um, you know, that, that's why with Texas having three road wins, and as I'm explaining to you, to, and thanks for the question on the text line, uh, those three wins are quad one wins. Those are against really good teams. In Oklahoma, who's a ranked team. TCU is a ranked team and having won four in a row. Cincinnati, who the Longhorns beat early on in conference play, uh, is a really good team. They got a big win this past weekend as well. So, you know, those are really quality victories. Those actually are worth more, if you will, as far as the committee would go and the, the quad system and the, the net rankings. To win a road game is, is almost a, it's a, it's a double. It's hitting a, hitting a daily double when you can go on the road and get a big win. Uh, but 
as Ty just said, the problem for Texas right now as far as any uncertainty of their tournament is that they're, you know, uh, only they've got three, three, three home losses in Big 12 play. Uh, those are the ones. That Central Florida loss uh, is a stinging loss. Lots of Texas Tech early on in conference play. Houston is somewhat excusable on Monday night, but they've, they've got to uh, shore up the home court, win those home basketball games, and that includes tomorrow night when they welcome Iowa State uh, to the Moody Center. That'll be a huge game for the Longhorns. They've got to keep this momentum going, you know, build on what they did last week with uh, nearly taking down Houston in the overtime game and then following that up with a, with a great game and a great finish at TCU. I would say to Ty's point about being more physical down low, Ty, um, you know, I think the Houston game where they just got pushed around and out-muscled and all the offensive rebounds, who, Cougars had 19 second-chance points in that game. Uh, I, I, thought, I saw a tougher Texas basketball team on Saturday. I, Dylan Mitchell in specific, Kendall Weaver, Kendall Weaver into the starting lineup brings that toughness. Uh, Brock Cunningham, uh, even Caden Shedrick, I thought played with some toughness down low. You know Dylan DeSue is going to bring that on, on a night-by-night basis. But I thought that, you know, this is when we talk about steel sharpening steel. You know, playing in this conference, you know, night-by-night where there are no nights off tie will expose your weaknesses. And if you, if you, you know, you got to go back and fix them. And I do think I'll give credit to Rodney, and I think I will, I will give credit to Rodney Terry because they were a more physical team uh, at TCU on the road. And that's the kind of physicality they need to carry into tomorrow night's game and the rest of the conference schedule because you're right, that is their question. Defense, can they get stops and can they be physical and, uh, and, and rebound with the more physical teams in this conference? They showed that they could on Saturday against TCU. Yeah, and I know it's, it might sound cliche, but I mean, effort is obviously the, the oh. biggest factor for this team. Being undersized and maybe not as, as thick as you'd want in the post positions, I'd just just having effort there night night in and night out and guys like Dylan Nassu and Brock Brock Cunningham I I think will lead the charge here in the second half of the season. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, that kind of performance and I, I I give Rodney Terry this credit too putting Kendall Weaver into the starting lineup I think was huge. Um you know that guy has earned it. I mean I know he was he was a good spark off the bench but if you know, we talked about this team consistently playing 40 minutes of basketball even you know, on Saturday even though they won the game they they came out you know, a little slow. Um, you know, those are the kind of things that, that you, you need to – got to play 40 minutes of basketball in this conference if you're going to win. So uh, I do like them putting Kendall Weaver into the lineup. We'll preview that Iowa State game coming up tomorrow. One hour from now, about 7.30, our buddy Jerry Hamilton from uh, On3 Sports on the On Texas Football Channel will join us. He's a big basketball. We'll talk to him about uh, the emergence of this team and really just kind of finding their own and maybe finding their rotations, uh, you know, playing with one another, chemistry coming together uh, here into the month of February now, the all-important month of February. Here's another text on the text line. We appreciate you on this Monday. Says looking at the recent mock drafts, Byron Murphy must be impressing the NFL. Yeah, we'll talk about that coming up behind the burnt orange curtain. We'll take you there. Uh, the Senior Bowl was played on Saturday. Uh, we'll get you some details there on the Longhorn football side of things and more on the Texas basketball team. We'll also obviously dive into the Super Bowl uh, with the Raiders and Niners uh, landing in Vegas, ready to go, handling the distractions of Vegas, Ty. I mean, that's going to be a big focus here, right? I mean, this is the first time they've ever played a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. And, you know, it's, I know that the both teams are, are staying at hotels that are, you know, 20 minutes away from the Strip, but it's still Sin City. Um, you, you, if, you, if you're Andy Reid and you're Kyle Shanahan, you're having the messages, hey, guys, listen, we know it's Vegas, but uh, you know, what's your level of concern for these, these players getting sucked into to what can go on uh, on the Strip while they're getting ready for the Super Bowl in six days? I mean, I, I I think you should you should be able to stay home and not do anything and be able to focus on the biggest game of your life. If you if you're if you're having an issue doing that, then then there's a bigger problem. Yeah, win or lose, you can stay in Vegas and hang out. After yeah, exactly. The Super Bowl, right? We don't need any Den- right Dennis Rodman situations going on here. Yeah, none of that. None of that. I feel like these two teams are locked in, obviously, and 
Uh, you, you just said it, biggest game of their lives. It's a huge game for both sides. And as we sit here this morning, uh, I, I still continue to shake my head at this, Ty, that uh, the, the, the line has actually jumped to two and a half points over the weekend. It was two in favor of the 49ers going into the weekend. It's now two and a half. And, uh, you know, I, I saw this note, and this is we look forward to the most wagered on and gambled on event of the year. Uh, how about this? According to the, uh, the Vegas odds makers, as of this morning, uh, the Vegas line has shifted. The Niners have moved to two and a half point favorites. Two thirds of the spread tickets are on the Chiefs. Okay, see, so this is where you, you're big, Ty. You look at the, what the public is betting on. Two thirds of the bets are on the Chiefs. But according to the insiders, the bigger tickets and most importantly, the sharp players have been on San Francisco, which is why the line is moved back up to two and a half points, which is where it opened. It dropped back down to a point and a half, and now the sharp money has come in. So, you know, Joe, Joe Public is betting on the Chiefs, like me, and the sharps are on the Niners. That surprise you at all? Uh, it does. It really does. I, I, I'm sticking. I, I, I'm not a sharp, obviously, but I, I'm sticking with my Chiefs pick here. I, I just can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. It's. I know, well, that's. I mean, all the metrics, the met, metrics, all the numbers. I mean, he's he's undefeated as an underdog. You know, just went through the gauntlet of the AFC, beating two in the Dolphins, the Josh Allen and the Bills, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Two of those games as an underdog, winning all three. Uh, they were an underdog last year in the Super Bowl to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles by a point and a half. They won that game. Um, and, of course, they, this is a rematch of four years ago, the Super Bowl. And, you know, here they are. You know, that was a game the Chiefs uh, won as they uh, rallied uh, for that great fourth quarter and win it 31-20 to and snatch that one for the 49ers. Obviously, two different teams four years later. And really, actually, a complete role reversal tie. We'll talk about that coming up, how, you know, four years ago it was the Chiefs with the explosive, high-powered offense with Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. It was the Niners who were built on defense, and Jimmy Garoppolo as a game manager. This year, coming into this Super Bowl four years later, the Chiefs boast the great defense that locks people up and has allowed the fewest points in the second half to teams this year and you know on historic pace there. Uh, but they're not as, as dynamic and explosive offensively. They still have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but they don't have the explosion plays. They're kind of a dink and dunk offense built around Patrick Mahomes. It's the Niners who have given up some defensive yards, but they have the explosive offense with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and uh, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, obviously, all built around Brock Purdy. So uh, fascinating let me, let me, game. Let me ask you this, though. If, if sure. It's a tie game at the end of the at the fourth quarter, two minutes left. Who do you trust? Which offense do you trust more to go down and score or at least get a oh, field goal? Yeah, 100%. 100% Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's why, that's why I keep shaking my head. I mean, I'm, it, it's the better defense, better quarterback, you know, the, head, the, you can, you know, the better head coach at this point, more proven head coach is Andy Reid. You're also getting Andy Reid off a of bye week, which we know the numbers in his history, whether he's in Philadelphia or Kansas City. Um, you know, he's, just, uh, he's, he's unbelievable with extra time to game plan, and he's got Patrick Mahomes to execute that game plan. I agree with you. Uh, yet the Sharps in Vegas and the Sharps that are gambling on this game are, are sticking with the Niners and that explosive offense and all the weaponry. We'll talk about it, obviously, all week long and certainly today with you here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. We're just getting warmed up. Rodby out getting his wisdom teeth extracted today. That doesn't sound like fun at all. Hopefully this will be more fun than that. Coming back, we'll pick up that NFL conversation. Cowboys need a new defensive coordinator. We'll dive in. We're going to get Ty involved in that. Uh, Jerry Jones did say over the weekend, told Mike Fisher of Sports Illustrated, the Cowboys insider, he's looking to make a home run higher to replace Dan Quinn. They're going to swing for the fences. We'll ask you who your swing for the fences home run higher would be if you have a choice we'll get you some names also um does the 
Cliff Kingsbury landing in Washington conversation lead to Caleb Williams? We'll get to a potential, you know, what, they're, what the scenarios could play out as far as the draft in April and the top quarterbacks and now Cliff Kingsbury landing in our nation's capital. We'll get you details on that coming up. We're just getting warmed up on a Monday. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain. We've got some what the facts. It's all of it you need on a Monday. Up with us here on Hook Up with Ian Rodby. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Monday on The Horn, it is a big weekend for the Longhorns. Good win for Texas men and Fort Worth. How about the win for uh, Texas women? How about the three-day stretch? They beat Baylor in Waco on Thursday, turn around and beat Kansas State yesterday. And Kansas State was playing without one of their best players. But either way, Longhorns took advantage. That was the second-ranked team in the country that came to town. And Vic Schaefer's Longhorns showing the grit and the tenacity behind the freshman Madison Booker. They get a big win. So good weekend there. It was a good weekend over at Dishfalk Field. It was the alumni game. That signals always signals the start of baseball season. So we'll certainly start to drill down on some Texas baseball as well. And we'll, we'll go behind the uh, – the burn orange curtain coming up. We're talking plenty of NFL as well with Super Bowl 58 now six days out. Cowboys need a new defensive coordinator. We'll get into that because uh, when we left you on Friday, the conversation was around maybe promoting from within and um, Joe Witt Jr., the secondary coach, maybe replacing Dan Quinn who had left to take the job in Washington. Well, that didn't happen over the weekend. Uh, Joe Witt Jr. was promoted or actually hired by Mike Zimmer to come with him to Washington. That was kind of our conversation Friday was if, if Jerry Jones wanted to keep him and secure him, then he needed to do it quickly. Uh, instead, uh, Dan Quinn, you know, nabs him, brings him along with Cliff Kingsbury to be the uh, essentially the, uh, the triumvirate there in Washington. Dan Quinn is the head coach, Joe Witt Jr., defense coordinator, and now Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator. We'll get into what that could mean as far as the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. But I'll also say this, Ty, on a Monday. I don't know if you got to see any of the Grammy Awards last night. Did you take any of the uh, the fun out there in uh, Los Angeles? I did not, and my my girlfriend was very disappointed that we we, we did not at least watch the red carpet. Is what she said. She said Ooh, that's her favorite red carpet. Part. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I you know I always say I, I know people chide me for watching the award shows. I do love the Grammys every year. It's kind of appointment viewing for me because I'm a big music fan. And I thought last night was good. It was. I mean, there were some moments, and that's what you always tune in for. And I as I always say, I wait for about an hour and twenty minutes and. You know, pause it, you know what I'm saying, record it, and watch something else, get get work done, and then you start it, and then you can just fast-forward through the commercials. It seems like a, a, a lot of commercials during the Grammys. Am I wrong about there that? There are. I mean, yeah. it, it's a, you know, it's, it's one, I mean, it's viewed all over the world, so it's kind of like the Super Bowl. I mean, not to the rating level of the Super Bowl, but you've got a lot of viewers, so that's, you know, they want them, they sell a lot, of, a lot of advertising to make that happen. But so, yeah, you just fast-forward through it, and uh, then you don't have to wait for the next performance. But I thought, I thought there were some really good moments last night. I thought Miley Cyrus, she won a big award. And she went full Tina Turner time. She went full Tina Turner, did her dance to her song Flowers, and uh, then admitted uh, that she may not have been wearing underwear, which was kind of funny. Uh, but, yeah, she had the uh, Tina Turner legs going and did her whole bit. Uh, Tracy Chapman, how about this? She hadn't performed in a long, long time, Ty. We haven't seen her live. 
Well, you know, she came out and did a surprise duet, a fast car with Luke Combs. Luke Combs, the country star, had covered that song of hers, that 1988 hit, I mean, classic song. It was fast insane car. to me that that song came out in like 1988. Oh, my gosh. And it was a, I mean, it's one of the greatest songs ever written. I mean, it was a classic then, and it's still a classic. But we hadn't seen Tracy Chapman. And she came out, looked great, and they sang the duet. And it, it, one of the things they did last night on the ground was I liked is that ahead of performances, the, the, the performer would tell a little story and kind of give you a little back story. And uh, the Luke Combs thing was that, that he grew up, and that was one of his favorite songs. His dad, uh, in their old pickup truck, they used to listen to that tape and listen to that song on cassette tape. And, um, you know, it was kind of a throw-in song on his recent album. And he asked his producer, hey, can I put this song on there? I really like it. It's been one of my favorites my whole life. And he did it. He did a great job of the song, uh, which – and then it went to number one and, and was a big hit for, for Luke Combs, of course. And obviously Tracy Chapman gets some residuals from that too. Uh, she wrote the song and gets the songwriting credit. But they did a duet, and it was really good. It was really powerful. Uh, it was a really good moment. And uh, uh, Billy Joel came out, Ty, and uh, produced, he did his first – he had a new, first new song in forever that he had written, which was, was at the end of the deal, which was kind of cool. And I know for all uh, Swifties, Taylor Swift did win her 13th and 14th Grammy. She won uh, Album of the Year, Ty, the biggest award of the night. Taylor Swift now the first person ever with four four times winning the album of the year. So, uh, you know, we'll have some, some Grammy highlights. If you got to see it, let us know what you thought. Hey, but Ty, let me ask you this before we go behind the burn orange curtain. Uh, you're a conspiracy guy. You like the Reddit rabbit hole. Does Cliff Kingsbury landing in Washington to be the commander's offensive coordinator give you more vibes that maybe the, uh, there could be a trade between the Bears and the uh, commanders at the top of the draft? Because we know from the uh, Caleb Williams side and the Caleb Williams camp that there's been a you know, concerted push that he doesn't want to play in Chicago. He doesn't want to play for the Bears. Uh, he's going to try to use some leverage here, and he wants to play in Washington. He's, you know, the reports have come out that he wants to be either in Washington or Vegas, um, but Washington would be his preference. That's where he grew up. That's where he played high school ball, was, was near Washington, D.C., before going to Oklahoma and then transferring to USC and winning a Heisman Trophy. Does Cliff Kingsbury, who had been at USC this past year as a quarterback coach and advisor to, to uh, Lincoln Riley and has a relationship with Caleb Williams, is the fact that it went from the Raiders on Friday to, to, to a complete about face and he ends up in Washington by Sunday with Dan Quinn, uh, does that give you any thought that maybe there could be something percolating between the Bears and Washington to flip picks? It, it, it does feel weird, but I, I've been telling you all for weeks, I think the Bears are going to screw this up somehow and not end up with Caleb Williams. Whether that's Caleb Williams telling them no or them being like, hey, we're going to roll with Justin Fields, get you know trade with Washington here, maybe get a, a second-round pick, another first-round next year. I, I feel like it's more and more likely that he will, I, whether it's Washington or another team, will end up somewhere besides Chicago. Yeah, we've seen these quarterbacks at times, not very often, but, but do their leverage play and, and try to you – know, who's, who's the last guy we saw do that, that besides like Eli, 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 Eli Manning? Yeah. I mean, and that was 20-plus years ago now. I mean, that was 21 years ago uh, or longer that, that Eli Manning and the Manning family didn't want to play in San Diego. They, they didn't want to play for the Chargers. And, uh, you know, Archie Manning had been an NFL player, of course, and, you know, knew – or at least had the belief that the Spanos family was cheap and that wasn't a good organization. And, you know, they wanted to be in New York with the Giants. And, of course, that ended up working out. And Phillip Rivers ended up going to the Chargers in that same draft. And so, you know, you could argue for both teams it worked out. Uh, but in the end, it was Eli Manning that won two Super Bowls. And Philip Rivers never played in one, uh, so Archie Manning was was somewhat prophetic. Uh, so, but in this case, this you know, I, what what leverage does Caleb Williams have other than I don't want to play for you and I'm going to be a pain? Uh, and look, the Bears have the number one pick, so they're in control of that. The Washington Commanders have the second pick, 
So a trade would not be, I mean, he'd have to give up a lot to move. But at the same time, if the Bears look at it and say, look, we, we, we like Drake May, we like uh, Jaden Daniels, you know, we might like Justin Fields. And we can get a King's Ransom to move down one pick and still take a player we really like in that spot. I think that would be a conversation. And I just wonder, because uh, the Cliff Kingsbury thing is interesting. He just coached Caleb Williams for a year at USC. Uh, Washington is his preferred destination, uh, get back home and play there. And, of course, they're looking to rebrand that entire franchise in Washington. I don't know if there's uh, any meat on that bone that uh, something's up there with the, uh, the Cliff Kingsbury hire. Because, again, on Friday it looked like in the reports where he was going to the Raiders. He was going to coach the offense for Antonio Pierce in Vegas. And next thing you know, he is in he is in Washington D.C. So, uh, and there's already been talk about you know talks between the teams and whatnot. Obviously, the draft's not till April, uh, late uh, April, th- fourth weekend of the fourth month uh, coming up. So, we'll if, if, if you're the Bears and you move back to that second pick and you decide to roll with Justin Fields, you could you could flip that second pick and move back you know to five or six oh. and get a Marvin Harrison still. And uh, at that point, exactly. you know, accumulate six or seven. Picks if you wanted. Yeah, I mean the Bears could literally. Re- I mean, they, there, there's already been talk. I was reading some stuff in Chicago about, you know, let's make this like a Herschel Walker type deal. If Caleb Williams, look, there's two sides of this. There, there are those who believe Caleb Williams is a, you know, a generational prospect coming into this draft as good as good as anybody since, you know, a- Andrew Luck or one of these type of players, right, coming into this league. Uh, you can't pass on him is the argument. Same time, if he's disgruntled, he doesn't want to play there, and you can and you like Justin Fields or you like Drake May or Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner from LSU, can you parlay that into a really good quarterback? And then, as Ty just said, draft capital, and you can still trade Justin Fields because there are teams out there that will give you draft capital for Justin Fields. He's played good enough. Uh, that there would be a team out there that would would say you know we can we can win with that quarterback, uh, you know the Bears are kind of in a in a in an interesting spot. It's either that they're going to screw it up and not take Caleb Williams, or they're going to manufacture that and then turn that into five, six, seven good players, uh, which we've seen uh, you know teams do. If you look at what the Detroit Lions did when they traded you know Matt Stafford uh, to acquire Jared Goff. Uh, you know, if you look at the draft picks that they got in compensation for Matt Stafford and that deal, plus Jared Goff, I mean, those turned into like five or six really, really good players for them, and they were on the verge of the Super Bowl just this past year. So there are several schools of thought, but I just, with Cliff Kingsbury doing an about face and end up in Washington now, I do wonder and keep an eye on that coming up towards the draft. Just, don't, just don't, don't get too cute if you're Chicago. That's one thing I'm saying. If you end up not trading that first pick and taking someone else, that's a complete, complete disaster in my mind. I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Hey, let's go behind the burn orange curtain real quick, give you a little Longhorn football conversation. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, behind the curtain, it's uh, that time for the Longhorns. Winter workouts are cranked up, and, uh, you know, Wednesday is supposed to – would not supposed to be, it is the – the late signing window for National Signing Day, high school recruiting, to finalize the class of 2024. But Longhorns are done. Longhorns are already on to 2025 and 26, as we've told you. Uh, if they do add any more players this offseason, it'll come after spring workouts and after the spring and the portal reopens. Uh, that'll be interesting. I will say this as far as Longhorn football news goes. Tavondre Sweat, uh, along with Christian Jones, participated in the Senior Bowl on Saturday and through the week. Uh, and props to uh, Tavondre Sweat, Ty. I think we've seen the videos going viral of him dominating in this in the one-on-one drills, just being physically unblockable at um, you know his size at 360 pounds. Well, Dane Brugler of theAthletic.com uh, did his little post wrap on the Senior Bowl week, 
and announced a winner and a best performer at every position, uh, every position across the board that he saw in Mobile on both teams. Uh, interesting that he had Spencer Rattler, the South Carolina former Oklahoma quarterback, as the top quarterback for the week, and uh, he was actually the MVP of the game itself on Saturday, Spencer Rattler, so props to him. Uh, Roman Wilson, the wide receiver from Michigan, Ty, uh, made a bunch of highlight reel catches, and uh, he boosted his NFL draft stock. He was the top receiver. Uh, and Tavondre Sweat was, uh, according to Dane Brugler, the best tackle in Mobile, the best defensive tackle uh, in Mobile. The, uh, you know, the, to, to Dane Brugler's point, the highlight reels that you saw were just the start of it. He really had a good week. Uh, as we told you last week, he opted not to weigh in and step on the scale, uh, which, you know, he he looked like he was playing. He was big. I mean, he's bigger than everybody there. We know he's a big man. Uh, as, as Rod and I talked about last week, you wonder if he'll, you know, dominate like he did at his size, and then he's going to try to slim down a little bit between maybe shed 10 pounds or so before the combine at the end of this month or into next month. But uh, um, he was rated as the best defensive tackle in Mobile, helped his stock. And uh, it's fair to say, Ty, that both Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat very well could be first-round picks coming up in late April when the draft comes around. And to the texter who said earlier that if you've seen some mock drafts, you know, the NFL really likes Byron Murphy. I've seen Byron Murphy mocked. And these mock drafts are way too early. But I've seen them mocked as high as, as five overall with the L.A. Chargers. And I don't think what? that will happen. Uh, but if you know, remember, if the Chargers now have Jim Harbaugh, if they're going to go defense, there's, there are a lot of people believe that, that when you, if you're going to take a defensive player, that Byron Murphy's among the two or three best defensive players at the top of this draft. Um, and the, the most, you know, the, the lowest floor and, and, and a really high ceiling at tackle. I don't think he'll go that high. I think he'll go in the first 20 picks. I don't think he goes top five. If you're the Chargers and you're considering Byron Murphy, you would probably trade back. So is, he's the odds-on favorite to be the first Longhorn off the board, though. Yes, he is. Yep. Uh, I think Byron Murphy, uh, if you're making a bet in Vegas on that, I would bet that. Uh, I would, said, bet Byron I, would you have said that when the, when the season ended? That he would ended? probably, yeah. After the playoff um, game. Well, I mean, look, he's a junior, so he's coming out early. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, as far as that, that's a, that's a, as, as Rod pointed out, that's become a premium position at defensive tackle to be able to you know, be a three-down tackle, stop the run with these lighter boxes and uh, be a disruptive player there and stay on the field on third downs to rush the passer. Byron Murphy can do all those things. His motor never stops. Um, you know, it was going to be – it was you know, going into the process, I would have said it's between Byron Murphy – and you know, A.D. Mitchell uh, to be the first Longhorn off the board. I still think those will be the first two, but I do think Tavondre Sweat at least began the case for him uh, being uh, you know, a top 25, top 30 type pick in this draft, maybe higher as the process moves forward. But uh, uh, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, um, and the Longhorns could have as many as six guys in the first two days of the draft. I mean, they really could. Times have changed. Times have changed, yeah. Uh, times have changed because uh, both tackles will go, both receivers, Xavier Worthy and um, A.D. Mitchell will go in the first couple days, or first three rounds, I would believe. Maybe Jalen Ford. You know, well, Jatavion Sanders would yeah, be yeah, that yeah. tight end uh, would be one. And then don't forget about Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks is a really interesting name because he was the number one running back on Mel Kuyper's big board before his injury. And he's going to come back. And, you know, if you're in the second or third round and you can get a – you know, first-round talent at running back in, in that, that's good, that checks out medically for you. Uh, Byron, uh, Jonathan Brooks is a guy to watch in the top 90 picks or so just because the running back crop is really thin this year uh, in this draft. There is no Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs in this draft. Uh, Jonathan Brooks has a chance to be you know, a top, on, top 90 pick kind of guy as well. 
And yes, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Jalen Ford, uh, the, 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 the draft process has just begun with the senior bowl. Then it'll be the, uh, the combine. Then it'll be individual workouts and all those things ahead of the draft in April. All right, there's some behind the BOC. We'll come back. We'll hit some what the facts, uh, including what the Dallas Cowboys are going to do with their defensive coordinator position. Jerry Jones saying he wants a home run hire. Home run hire. Who would that be? We'll talk about it. Coming back on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, Rod Babers is, uh, it's a fact, is undergoing uh, wisdom teeth extraction today. That sounds horrible. We uh, root for, for our man RB. We knock on wood, everything goes well, and he's back with us as soon as he can. Hopefully, Wednesday, he says he'll be back with us. Uh, has those wisdom teeth out today. So uh, Ty and I carrying the mail. We've got a great guest next hour. Jerry Hamilton will join us from On3 Sports on the On Texas Football Channel. We'll talk about that thrilling Texas basketball win on Saturday. Max Asmus will single-handedly, once the Longhorns got it to 64-all, went on a personal 9-0 heater, finished the game on a 13-2 run. He scored all 13 points. We'll take you through how he did it. Uh, but what a finish. That was a, a you know kind of a come-out-of-your-seat kind of game for Texas when he got hot late. Uh, that was fun to watch for sure. Uh, and as I said, in, uh, Ty, and it's amazing in what the facts here in our final segment of our first hour. It is incredible. We know this is the deepest and the best basketball conference in all of college basketball. And, but, man, the numbers, we're, we're halfway through now, right? They're, they've done the, the halfway through the conference schedule. And as we sit here on this Monday morning, there, it's, in the loss column, just two games separate the first-place team from the 12th-place team in this conference. Say that out loud. Two, yeah, only two games. Kansas and Houston are sitting atop the conference at 6-3. and three. Uh, And Kansas beat Houston in that game on Saturday at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. What an environment that is. I mean, that is if there's ever a bucket list you know, arena that you have to see a game in as a college basketball fan at some point, I think it would start um, at the top with, with Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, but Houston figured that out and found that out. They got beat, uh, and Kansas beat them all ways uh, in that game. 6-3, uh, and three, though, both sit atop the conference. And by the way, Ty, those two teams right there will play – the final game of the regular season at Houston coming up in early March. So the rematch is coming down at uh, the, the Fertitta Center. Uh, so those two are 6-3. and three. Then Baylor, Texas Tech, and Iowa State are all 5-3. and three. Iowa State, of course, is the Longhorn opponent coming up tomorrow night. Uh, TCU, who Texas just beat, is 5-4. and four. BYU, 4-4. Four and four. Texas and Oklahoma are both 4-5 and five, along with Cincinnati. Uh, so when I mean, you go all the way down to UCF, I mean, the teams that are sitting at 4-5, at, uh, at and five, um, gosh, you go all the way down to three and six West Virginia. I mean, they're only you know three games back. That it's loss crazy. to West Virginia hurts, though. That's that's a game they should have won. Yeah, that's a fact. I mean, and well, they, look, that I was mean, a five-one team when they beat us. Yeah, five and twelve. Well, and look, and that's that's what we said. I mean, you can call it an excuse or you can call it just a reason. And and that I would say this for folks saying it's an excuse. We predicted it uh, back in December. We. We said when they were you know, trying to figure out their chemistry, we did say, look, one of the challenges for Rodney Terry is going to be, you know, you got a, a lot of new players playing together for the first time, and then right ahead of conference play, you're going to insert Dylan DeSue back into the lineup. Because remember, Dylan wasn't healthy enough with that foot insert, coming off a of foot surgery until almost Christmas. So, you know, all the chemistry that was built between the rest of the roster – you know, gets disjointed when you add Dylan to Sue, who's going to be a focal point of your offense, and you're trying to do that right as you're starting into conference play. And, you know, that, there's just a chemistry, you know, there's just time that you have to build that. 
And unfortunately for Texas, that was right as they started conference play, and maybe not coincidentally, they started conference play one and three, right? They lost that game at West Virginia. They lost the game here at home to Central Florida. Um, you know, they lost uh, – there was one other – oh, there, there were two games, uh, the Texas Tech game, to start conference play. They BYU. lost at, uh, um, you know, the BYU game came a little bit later, but the first four games, they lost three of them. Uh, the only one that they won was at Cincinnati, which was still with that, that ranks as a quad one win for Texas right now and Rodney Terry. But the other three, those are the ones down the road that, that are going to bite you. West Virginia, uh, Texas Tech at home to start conference play on that Saturday night, and then the game at home to Central Florida, those three. But again, those were your first four games, and we kind of predicted there's going to be a challenge there to insert Dylan DeSue back into this lineup and have good chemistry to be able to beat good teams, and that's really what they ran into. But since they've you know, figured some things out, and that's what you keep trying to do and keep getting better, uh, they are getting better. That's the key. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to play tomorrow night, Ty, against Iowa State. And Iowa State, that'll be the sixth consecutive game in which they've played a ranked opponent. Uh, and so far they're 5-2. and two in those games, and the, one of the losses was an overtime loss to Houston that really could have gone either way. They're, they're sitting at 3-2 and two in those five ranked matchups, including Saturday's big-time win at TCU. Um, and now they get Iowa State tomorrow night. That could, you know, if you can go, they can win that game at home and go 4-2 and two against six straight-ranked opponents, yeah, you're trending in a good direction after a 1-3 and three start to conference play. Those games still hurt uh, that you lost early, but it does feel like this team is finding itself and getting better, and that win on, on Saturday was massive uh, the way they won it on the road against a very quality opponent. All right, just, uh, just the facts. How about this, Ty? Big winners at the Grammys last night included Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus and Billie Eilish. But how about this? One of the very few male performers who won last night was a rapper. You know a rapper named Killer Mike? Yeah. Killer Mike not only won three awards last night, he was arrested as he left the Grammy Awards last night. Arrested. Put in cuffs at Crypto Arena. For what? Misdemeanor assault. Apparently he smacked somebody around before the Grammys. And so after it was over, they were waiting for him, and the cops took him. He's been released on bond. But, yeah, I guess there was an alleged assault before the Grammys. Killer Mike wins three trophies. Outcast, right? What's that? I think he's a member of Outcast. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Uh, he had a big night. He had a big night. Killer Mike. No, Run the Jewels. He was Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but he, he got rap album of the year. Best rap performance, best rap song. And then he got put in cuffs. Got taken to jail. Just a misdemeanor, though. Hey, we'll be back one hour down. Four to go. Hook him up with Ian Rodby.